0: And today, the Inquisition of the Jews. Hey guys, welcome to the Preacher's Corner. This is Pastor Jay, and we're going to be diving into John chapter number 9, starting off in verse number 10. And we're going to be answering the question that the community, as well as the scribes, had, and Pharisees, for this blind man of John chapter number 9. How were your eyes opened? And a lot of us can carry the same testimony that this man had in that the point in which we were blind from the knowledge of Jesus, that we didn't know Christ, that we were lost in this world under the prince of the power of the air, we were recognized as children of disobedience in our life, and then we met Jesus, our eyes being opened, our heart coming to the understanding, in repentance receiving Jesus, our entire lives being changed. Well, That's the reality that happened to this blind man. It's the reality that happened to this blind man and the reality of the blind people who have come to sight all over the world because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to dig into that today. So hang tight with me and let's rejoice in all that the Lord is going to do. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise this day, this beautiful Friday that you have given us, Lord, that we may be able to worship in spirit from the Holy Spirit speaking to us and bringing to us unto the knowledge and reality of those things that are found in your truth, that we may be to the praise of his glory that go forth from this moment with this word received in our heart to go share the love of God and the understanding of Jesus to all whom we come in contact with the rest of this day. We pray that you will bless us, and as we enter into this weekend, you will unite us, Lord, in the churches that we uh, go to, that we are a part of. Lord, we would not miss out on the opportunity of such a glorious gathering as the saints in Christ in any given location that we are at, but that we would be thrilled to be a part of a local church and, and worship and rejoice with the brethren, so that we may be strengthened together in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, here we go with the reading. We're going to start off in John chapter number 9, beginning in verse number 10, and we're going to read our way pretty much down to, to the end of the chapter, verse number 41. Uh, this being the whole of the conversation between this this blind man and these Jews that would be questioning him as concerning his how he was healed. So in verse 10, the scripture says, So they said to him, Then how are your eyes open? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes, and he said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been born blind, now So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? And the blind man said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called his parents and and they asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered, we know, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. And he answered, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already. You would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a blind man, or opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answer him, You were born in utter sin and would teach us? And they cast him out. I'm going to stop right there because that's pretty much the end of that particular section of the conversation between the blind man and the Pharisees that were there as an inquisition to question him. And a lot of what happened to this blind man is what happened through the the 12th century to the 18th century, really, uh, with the with, uh, Roman Catholic Church during the periods of times where they had the courts of inquisition, where it wasn't that they really wanted to know the truth. They just needed to be able to find out enough information to be able to charge you with something so they could kill you. And oftentimes, when you were brought before an inquisition, and it wasn't all that serious, you knew you were just going to prison for the rest of your life. But if you were brought before an inquisition for anything that would be a necessary of death... Uh, for the position of repentance, it just cuts your head off. And for the position of rebellion, they would run you through a series of what's called purification procedures, which would be intensely painful tortures until the point where they could get you to confess, even if you did it or not, it doesn't really matter if you were, if you were decided that you were guilty of it and you tried to plead your innocence, they'd just run you through this purification and torture you to the point where they break you and that you would confess anything just to stop the torture and then they cut your head off. So it's kind of one of those uh, areas where where you see this in the, the Inquisition, as it was, of the Pharisees for this particular guy who indeed has had an amazing miracle happen in his life. No one can contest that this guy was born blind as the Pharisees would question him, of course they they kind of figured this was a parlor trick. One of those Benny Hinn specials where people are standing up who are paralyzed, or people who are deaf are able to hear, or blind, and and it it's been proven time and time again that these are all parlor tricks of of this particular. Uh, religious organization for the purpose of being able to to rake in mass amounts of dollars all over the globe of people watching this guy and and thinking that it's him that's actually doing this healing well that's kind of the idea that the pharisees have about this blind man and about the connection with jesus and so much that when the village saw this blind man as he come in and of course you remember from yesterday some of the people were saying well was he really born blind, or is this that blind guy that, that that he can now see? And then others would say, no, that's impossible. This guy isn't the same guy, except he really does look a lot like him, though. And And the whole time, this blind guy, he's sitting there and he's saying, people, it's me. It really is me. And so, the, the community grabs a hold to him and brings him before the Pharisees and says, this guy just had a miracle happen to him, so we want you to find out what's up. And the Pharisees begin to question him. Now, right at the very beginning, we see in, in their questioning this very, this very statement. They said, okay, how are your eyes open? Now, listen. He says in verse 11, the, the, the man called Jesus. In other words, this blind guy has no idea who Jesus is. This blind guy had never seen with his eyes the Lord Jesus. He, he doesn't know. All he knows is that those disciples that considered him in no different a light than the Pharisees would, is that he was born blind, and the very conversation of the disciples with Jesus is, okay, who sinned, this guy or his parents, that he was born this way? All they know is a name that is given to, the, to him from the conversation that was taking place around him by the disciples in Jesus. And so he says, this guy called Jesus, made mud, or he got dirt in his hands, spit in the dirt from the saliva, made a mud, smeared it all over my face, he said, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash Here's the really exciting thing about verse number 11. Jesus gave a commandment to this guy. And this commandment is either going to be met with rebellion or obedience. There's no middle ground that's going to exist within any commandment that Jesus gives. As Jesus speaks to us, we're either going to respond to his teaching or to his speaking in an obedient manner or we're going to hold in rebellion against what he said and so when this guy says he said to me go to siloam and wash next part of this verse so i went and washed (laughs) the simplicity of obedience brings forth a blessing of god whereas of course we understand the rebellion brings forth a curse from god there is blessing in the service of the king there is cursing or being accursed in the rejection of the king. So as he obediently goes and washes, he receives his sight. And then he said, they said to him in verse number 12, where is he? Now that's kind of a funny statement to be asking a guy that was born blind who left the scene of Jesus and the disciples to go to this pool that he was nowhere near, Uh, only to return being able to see, but Jesus and the disciples already being gone. So, to ask this blind man where Jesus is, being as that he could not see him, but of course now, if you look at this from the, the position of the Pharisees, I believe that they think that this guy was putting on an act. And so, I believe that they think that, he knew all along where Jesus was or where it was going to be. Because as Jesus left this blind man, of course, blind man, that this guy was going to go to the next town or to the next location, wherever Jesus would be, and be blind again. Kind of a road racket that would be... A means by being able to make money for begging, and then make money for miracles, and all of these other things, and so they they they're treating this as though he he had been able to see that he had been able to know exactly where Jesus was going to be, and really for the point that they could try and catch Jesus and arrest him for for pandering, or arrest him for whatever kind of fake shows that that they would try to accuse him of putting on. But when they asked, where is he? The blind man in verse number 12 says, I don't know. (laughs) And how is he supposed to know? He was blind. I mean, he could hear footsteps coming, and he could hear footsteps going, but as being born blind, it's not like he even knows what anything looks like. It's not like he knows which direction that he's necessarily facing on a road. He, he, he's, he's been born blind. He hasn't seen any of these things. And so he heard the word of God very clearly. His hearing was was twenty twenty, so to speak. So he heard the word of God clearly. And he obeyed the word of God clearly. And he came back being able to see, but then put yourself in the shoes of the experience of this of being able to see the first time in your life however old you are that he's never seen the colors of of the of the earth he's never he's never seen uh, dust blowing in the wind he's never he's never seen anything for he was born blind and now, in, an, in a moment of obedience unto God, he's capable of perfectly seeing everything. Well, needless to say, his whole world just changed in an instant. And that is a truth concerning salvation in those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, is that it isn't a gradual progression of changes that happen in your life, over time, but that when you come to Christ, it is instantaneous. It is an absolute change that takes place in your life that you are forever changed in a moment. in 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 a time of repentance, you are forever completely changed. Old things certainly will take time to pass away. There's no question about the nature of the flesh that still exists in you. But all things in a moment have become new. And that is very important to to realize is this blind man is you can utilize your mind for the purpose of imagining not being able to see anything until the moment that the word of God comes to, to him and speaks life into his eyes, essentially, as he smears that mud upon his his eyes, and at the commandment of go and wash, and the obedience of trusting his word, and going and washing, that that brings forth a newness of life, which has completely transformed this man, the way he thinks, the way he He sees, the way he hears, who he now shall obey. Everything about him has been completely changed. And you can have that change too. And so he tells these guys, he said, he told me to go wash. I went and washed. They said, where is he? He said, I was blind. How am I supposed to know? And so verse 13 says, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind this is the community by the way the the community now they've at, they've asked this guy themselves and they're like wow uh what's the deal and he tells them and they say, well where's he at? it what's going on and he, he's like i don't know i can't speak to all of that so now it's time to bring this guy uh before the pharisees we're, we're gonna see him come to the inquisition amen and so that you get to this place on verse number 14, and it gives you a vital understanding about something. Vital understanding, by the way. It was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Oh, here we go. Jesus again on the Sabbath day. Now, what in the world was Jesus thinking that he was going to go heal this guy on a Sabbath day, just like the guy at the pool of Bethesda, that he would tell him to pick up his bed and walk on the Sabbath day, just like all the other events that Jesus would do and miracles that Jesus would perform that are on a Sabbath day. What in the world? And it was a Sabbath day. Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Now let's think about this just for a second. What kind of work exists in this? It's not like he's out there digging holes to put put fence posts down so that he can, he can put up fencing for his cattle. It's not like he's out there uh, you know, poking holes in the ground, planting seed, and trying to get his fields all planted on, on the Sabbath day. It's not like he's out there picking up sticks like the guy back in the Old Testament that ended up getting killed for for picking up sticks on the Sabbath. It's, it's not like he's doing any of those things. All he did was come across a guy that was born blind and spit in some mud that he collected his hands and smeared all over a guy's face. This is not like this is some great work uh, that is being performed here. But it's an opportunity for these Pharisees to really be able to dig their heels in on Jesus so as to make this out to be some kind of work so that they can kill him. That's the whole, whole plan. It was a Sabbath day. So the Pharisees, in verse number 15, begin the inquisition of asking him the exact same thing that the townspeople did from 10 to 14. That was the townspeople. This is the Pharisees. Now, this is really exciting because the, the man now has a testimony. And if you are a child of God, if you have come to faith in Jesus, you're going to have a testimony of how Jesus saved you, of of the, the time of the moment when Jesus saved you. You're you're going to have an intimacy with that time because it's it's the time that you came to knowledge that you needed salvation. That's the time that you came to understand you needed Jesus. That, that's that a time of intimacy with Jesus that you've never had before at any other time. And so this blind man, he really he's got this connection with Jesus and, and his testimony is I was born blind, this man, Jesus, he made this mud, he anointed my eyes with it, he commanded me to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, and I went. He's got a testimony there, and I received my sight. He's already told the townspeople this, but the townspeople can't quite buy it. So they've brought him to the Pharisees because certainly the Pharisees will be a frightening entity to this guy, right? Nobody wants to be removed from the synagogue and their local community, and nobody wants to be excommunicated from Israel. If you're removed from the synagogue, you're, you're excommunicated from Israel and thereby excommunicated from the covenants, thereby excommunicated from heaven, you don't get the kingdom of God. It's like somehow they have this mighty power to completely remove your circumcision on the eighth day of your birth and remove your your status as bar mitzvah at, at this point. And so you've, you've got this scenario where everybody is afraid of the, the leadership of the temple, and everybody's afraid of the leadership of the local synagogues because they carry the power of, of life and death, they believe the people believe in in these leaders. They carry the power, as it would be believed in Roman Catholicism, of the keys of the kingdom. So that if they decide anyone is not worthy, they could just excommunicate them, and poof, you're you're out of God, you're out of the, you're out of hope. Not true at all. And Jesus is about to burst their bubble on this one. Thank the Lord. So he gets brought before these pharisees and certainly the people will say well now he's going to tell the truth because he's going to be afraid that he'll be removed from from heaven let's see what happens now so the pharisees again ask him in verse number 15 how he had received his sight and the man said to them he put mud on my eyes i washed i see <laughs> This is the beautiful thing about a testimony in Christ is that it isn't complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. Jesus doesn't operate in a complicated fashion. God's salvation is not a complicated procedure or process. It, it it's it's so simple. It's ask and receive. It, it's that simple. It's just it's it's ask and receive. You, you come to know that you're a sinner in need of salvation you repent. In repentance, you're asking God for His forgiveness of your sins, and in that asking, it is promised that you shall receive salvation. Is It's just that simple. Ask and receive. It's really simple. The Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and all those guys, religion cannot accept the simplicity of God. Religion cannot accept the, the, the position of God. And so they have to make it complicated. They, they've got to make it a series of steps. They've got to make it something that, that belongs to them in part. Now, none of these guys would say that they were the savior. None of these guys would say that they were the means by which you, you must be saved. But they would tell you that, that, Aside from the power of God unto salvation, there are things that you need to obey through them because God has given them the position of executing the office of a priest or executing the office of a Pharisee as it was, and and you must obey those teachings we give to you alongside of the blessing that God provides for you in order to remain completely saved and if you disobey us at any given point of time god being the one that that makes the eternal covenant so it's not from god's position that ever you could be lost but if you disobey us we have power from god to disconnect you from god and the faith that's exactly what the roman catholicism of old the ancient times, the fifteenth century as it was, as they excommunicated Martin Luther in about fifteen twenty seven or well it was even earlier than that. About fifteen sixteen they, they excommunicate Martin Luther from the faith. Of Pope Leo the Tenth, I think, is the one that did that as if it was going to remove him from the hope of salvation for they believed that only the church possessed salvation and you must be right with the church therefore being right with the sacraments being right with the, the Pope being right with your priest and and you see that in these Pharisees you see that in this scenario with this blind man so it isn't like the Catholic Church came up with these these concepts or As the Lutheran Church gained hold over the land of Germany, and and that became the state religion, the Lutheran Church started to have the same principles as the Catholic Church did. So if you weren't Lutheran, they would persecute you, they would would kill you, have you arrested by the state because you refused their particular brand of sacrament. And Of course, over in England, during the same period of time, you have Henry the kicking the Catholic Church out of England, establishing a church upon him own self in the Anglican Church, and that if you didn't keep the the English sacrament or the, the 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 Anglican sacraments, that that you would be in violation of God, thereby being excommunicated from the hope of heaven. So all three of these major groups. And coming into the colonies of what would eventually become America, the Anglican Church was then transferred unto what is called the Episcopalian uh, Congregations. So that's the same thing as the Anglican. It's just when, when the United States broke from England, these congregations were no longer Anglican. So they were called Episcopalian for the design of the polity or the church government that they held. And so... You've got this issue where, where if you are not right with the sacrament or the teachings of the church or the rites of the church, that you're not right with God and thereby are separated from Him. And nothing is, is further from the truth. It's not true at all. Your relationship with God is not dependent upon any church at all, any religious leader whatsoever, save for the Lord Jesus Christ the great shepherd of the flock. That's who you look to. That's who you belong to. That's who you obey. That's where salvation comes. Now, the purpose behind the congregations, the purpose behind the church entirely is that bond of fellowship of the believers in any given community, We're not to be kites that are out here being tossed around in the wind all by ourselves, just living and trusting and believing in Jesus, having no connection with anything else, but that we in our communities are to come together for the purpose of rejoicing in God, to come together for the purpose of working with one another, of loving one another, of growing with one another in Christ. That's that's the fellowship of the saints. That's the church and how precious it truly is. And so we see these guys, these Pharisees, that believe that they have the stronghold over who's going to heaven, who's going to be with God, and who's who's going to be a child of God. And not, and they're questioning this guy. Now he's already answered the people in the town and saying, Look, he, he put mud on my eyes. Of course, he was a little more elaborate to the people in his community, he said this man called Jesus. Anointed my eyes with this mud and told me to go wash the pool of Siloam. I went to wash and now I receive my sight. The Pharisees come. What happened? He says, He put mud on my eyes. I washed. I see. (laughs) I, I like the condensed version. So you have this division. Some of the Pharisees would say, Well, this man is not from God for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. That word keep, again, to observe the Sabbath day. So they're upset with Jesus because he didn't observe the Sabbath day. Oh, how dare he? But other people said, how is it possible that this man could be a sinner and do such signs? Well, this word for sign is, is the same as the word for miracles. So it's just referring to the fact that this blind man who was born blind had received a sight, a great miracle that that would be, as the blind man's own testimony says, never has it been heard of anyone being blind, especially born blind, is receiving sight. So they said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? How is that possible? So, of course, as is always the case with the Pharisees, there is division among them. And as I study from uh, Messianic, Congregations. I listen to Messianic congregations read their writings to understand Judaism from, from the Messianic or with the Jesus perspective, as it was. I, I get uh, really th- thrilled when I read about these guys. They, they go into the Talmud, In the Talmud being the oral traditions that would be passed down from rabbis to rabbis that, uh, that came into being written and, and compiled into a book, so you can actually get the Talmud. Is, is that these Pharisees, and, and ultimately the, the Pharisees being rabbis of these synagogues or, or raised up leaders of the synagogues at their first estate before they moved into the Sanhedrin court were recognized as Pharisees. These guys would argue with each other. Within their within their synagogal communities, they would argue with each other. They they would take differing positions from each other just for the fact of having that position of argument to be able to be had. So in this moment, you're going to find that that with a group of Pharisees gathered together at the testimony of this man, there's there's immediately going to be people on both sides of the aisle. There's always in the pharisaical order there's always going to be division among them because they cannot come to an agreement with anything that would mean that they were all on the same page and whoever came up with the with the principle of the conversation and everybody would stand in agreement to it that would mean that that person was the highest person the highest pharisee of of, of them all because they all stood in solidarity of agreement to this one person's uh, basis, or, or a thesis, as it was. So there's always going to be a division among the Pharisees, which is absolutely hilarious, because if people cannot agree upon anything, then nothing will ever be accomplished. Just ask our current-day Congress. <laughs> I mean, these, The only thing that these people can agree on in our Congress is for them to get a raise. That's the only thing that they can agree on, and, and I disagree with that. And if you do, too, then perhaps we need to vote some of these knuckleheads out of the office so that the Congress that was supposed to be by the people, of the people, and for the people could really realize that once more when we fire them. But, of course, that might get this kicked off the air. They don't like to hear that, but that's because they're not of the people and for the people anymore. But that's the same thing that the Pharisees would be like, is is constantly being under a, a swell of disagreement, simply because they didn't want any one of them to get a higher end on any of the others. So we move down to verse number 17, and the scripture said, So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? Well, the blind man from all of his understanding, from the things that he has heard all of his life about special things happening, special healings, uh, special, special feedings, things like the cruise of oil that he had learned from Elijah, and things like the, the belly of the great fish in Jonah, things, things that were happening of miracles, they always happen through the work of prophets. And being is that this blind man doesn't know anything about Jesus outside of the fact that he had spit on the dirt, made mud, and anointed his eyes and told him to go do something, he did it and he could see now, the, the greatest connection that he could make to Jesus in this moment, because he really doesn't know anything about Jesus, except for the fact that this was the name of the man that touched me and and gave me back my sight, is that he's a prophet. Now, verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind. This is where they they come up with the idea that this is a racket, that, that, that they go from town to town. This guy acts like he's blind. Everybody comes to think he's blind. Jesus rolls up into town, does this miracle, and everybody is paying off to be able to see another miracle be done. Now, in all actuality, these kind of rackets really did happen and they still happen today again i reference benny hinn he's just the perfect reference for this point you know, people people will will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout their working life supporting a ministry that is false completely false no no truth behind it at all but because it's so entertaining and because of the the possibility that that something could potentially work this way they just dump their money into it now a work that several other works that could better be supported that teach truth are ignored for this this parlor trick for these games these lies so you you find that these guys they don't even believe that he had been blind and and had received his sight now what do they do call his parents i mean this is going to be the the Hinge we we call the parents the parents tell us nah he's faking and and you know the parents are scared to death the scripture says that the parents know that that that's already been determined that if anybody is claiming jesus is a great healer or miracle worker that they're going to be cast out of the synagogue to be cast out of the synagogue is to be cast out of favor of of god himself because at this point of time the, the the whole of the faith has been connected into the the congregation or the or the body of the local community. So if you're thrown out of the synagogue, you're effectively thrown out of God. you're shunned you're you're despised by the community there's no, nobody has anything to do with you. So necessary to say, that these parents they didn't want anything to do with this inquisition now one of the things that's funny about these parents is is that they they have so little care about their child they they're so scared of these Pharisees that they throw their son under the bus. they would rather see their son be excommunicated than them be excommunicated they They don't want to be removed from the presence of God, but they're more than willing to watch their son get thrown out of the presence of God. That is amazing in itself. But this is the case. Because they did not believe, they called the parents and they said, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? Well, the parents, we know that this is our son. That's an obvious point. And we know that he was born blind. Now, keep in mind, there's an accusation that's already been raised in the in the asking of this question from these Pharisees, is because who sinned that this guy be born blind? It was either that guy, or it was the the parents of that guy, right? So, who sinned that he would be born blind? And the reality is, nobody! This is just a natural corruption that had come into the DNA structure of this God, that he would be born blind. It was nobody's fault. It's just a failure of sin that has affected the whole world because of Adam. I mean, if we've got to blame somebody. Let's go back to the garden and blame Adam. But the end result, is this your son? And how is this possible? Well, they have no no care for the parents because of blindness of this man. It's their fault that he was born blind, some sin that they had committed, and and they don't understand why God would heal such a sinner as somebody that was born in a sinful condition in their eyes. They don't see how God would come to heal such a sinner as this when there are plenty of other righteous people that have needs to be met. Well, needless to say, the parents said, this is our son. He was born blind, but how he now sees, verse 21, we don't know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Therefore, his parents said he's of age asking. We we're not getting mingled up with this because if anyone confesses Jesus to be Christ, they're going to get put out of the synagogue. We don't want anything to do with it. Verse 24, a second time they called the man's born blind. It said, okay, we're going to try this in a different way. Now, you have your sight. We get that. Your parents vouched for you that you were born blind. So definitely a miracle has happened in your lives. No question about that. And we're not going to argue that. We're, we'll defend that miracle. They said, so give glory to God, right? Because God has done this amazing thing in your life. But this Jesus is a sinner. We know that this man is a sinner. This, it can't be Jesus it can, because we know that he's a sinner, and there's no way that a sinner could do these things. Well, needless to say, the blind man he said, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. I mean, obviously, who's to say I was blind? But one thing I do know is that, th- though I was blind, now I see. Okay, I don't know if this guy's a sinner or not. I mean, whatever. What I do know is that he gave me back my sight. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? How many times do I have to say he smeared mud on my face and told me to go wash? I went and and I could see. How many more times? How many more ways can you say that? And so he says, I've told you already in verse 27, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Okay, guys, mud eyes wash did see. Yeah, how many more times do you want to hear it? He said, are you guys interested in this because you want to become his disciples? <whistles> wrong answer. You, you barked up the wrong tree there, son. They reviled him. I mean, they just, just cursing at this guy. You are his disciple, but we're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. We don't care. We don't have no connection with him. And that blind man just dug the hole deeper. He said, this is an amazing thing. He said, you don't have any idea where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. And we know that God does not listen to sinners, period. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, that God listens to him. And never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If he was not from God, this would have never happened. You know what? That blind man's logic is perfect because it's true. We don't know where he's from. Well, then you don't know where anything is from because this guy has to be from God. No one else could possibly give sight like this guy did they answered him, you were born in utter sin. They, they have no logic. There's no logic to refute what this guy said. And that's why when whenever you're engaged in, in, in any kind of biblical argument or biblical debate, never go off of the way that you feel. Study to show yourself approved unto God so that you may utilize the blessing of the logic that God gave through his word to be able to show forth the, the simplicity of the truth of Christ and God through logic, because this man could not be refuted logically at this point. He said, you don't know where he comes from, but he opened my eyes, and we know this is where logic kicks in, the knowledge. We know that that God doesn't listen to sinners, and if anyone would do the will of God, that that's the person that God's listening to, and this man couldn't have done anything for me had he not been from God. Cannot be argued. So what do they switch to? Rhetoric. They just throw out some mudslinging. They, they call him a bunch of names and then decide that he's on Jesus' side as a disciple of Christ and they excommunicate him. So you were born in utter sin. And will you teach us? They Cast him out. Now, very quickly, it says... Jesus heard that they cast him out, having found him. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And that blind man, he said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? He never met him, but but I mean, just point him out to me and praise God I will follow him because I know that this man is from God. He said, who is he, Lord? And he says, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Done. Done. Verse number 38, done. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Done. Salvation testimony complete. Lord, I believe. Position of Christ in your heart as being a savior of your 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 life your your everything. He's the Lord. He's the King of your your soul. Lord, I believe. Done, and he worshipped the very salvation testimony of the Apostle Paul on Acts chapter number nine. Lord, <laughs> he said the same exact thing. If ever you wanted a sinner's prayer, here it is. Lord. <laughs> what will you have me to do is what paul said this guy said lord i believe uh, thomas doubting thomas my lord and my god it <laughs> was just done he was just done right there he's the believer and jesus said for judgment i came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind There's none so blind as those who will not see, and religion keeps them from sight for certain. So some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus would say to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt, but now you say we see. Your guilt remains Father, we thank you and praise you for this time together, asking for a blessing upon us this weekend, that you gather us together for, for Sunday in the appointed time, that we may rejoice in the life of this man who was born blind, and, and that our joy may be full in Christ. We thank you so much for your love for us and the revelation that you give to us, and pray that you will keep us in Jesus' name this day. Amen. All right, guys, God bless you, keep you, cause His face to shine upon you. I'll just rejoice in this weekend in the churches that you belong to. Get in there and worship with the congregation. Say, well, they're just boring and I don't have anything. Oh, stop it. Get in there and worship with those congregations. Give praise unto the blessings that the Lord has blessed you with this week. Tell other people in the congregation about it. Excite the body of Christ for the work that needs to be done through it, and revival can come. (laughs) We'll catch you later.